lifting my head up from the camera and there's this 90 year old man and this tiny little Bichon freeze dog coming out the front door of the house and he was out the house and he was looking to fight so what the f are you doing here and I just had to say, uh, I like, and I didn't want to tell him, I'm sorry, I thought your house was abandoned because that would just make things worse. And, you know, he was coming towards me with the fists up. I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. You're very welcome to episode 147 of the Irish Photography Podcast. My name is Darren. I'm your host this evening, and I'm joined by somebody who's my second time actually trying to record with him because I had a big, big issue with my uh, mic system last week, so we had to reschedule. So I'm delighted to have him back on again. David, welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. How are you getting on, man? Darren, good to be here. Uh, shame I'm not being interviewed by Michael D. Higgins this evening like I was the last time <laughs> we'll make do with you uh, well you know what that would have been fun for around five seconds but I'd say after the five yeah. seconds it would have been taxing on you anyway any, any, any chance of listenership would have been gone out the window within a couple of minutes Absolutely. oh I'm good yeah Absolutely. not a bother good stuff you had a good week anyway since we spoke last yeah grand working most of it I sure yeah things have to be done things have to be done so come here unfortunately yeah I suppose look before we get into your photography and I've I've admired your shots and there's a lot that I want to get into as well during the whole conversation today but tell the people who is David that's a fairly deep question so we'll we'll keep it simple (laughs) uh I'm a 40 year old man from the Midlands based here in Tullamore and County Offaly um married with two kids and I work in the hospital here in Tullamore and when I'm not working, I'm either taking about take, thinking about taking a shot or I'm out Good man. somewhere in the country taking a shot. Good so man. That's the way to be. Always. That's pretty much it, boiled down. Yeah, I'll always be thinking in relation to the camera. Do you find yourself when you're driving along the road as well, you'll be going, geez, look at that, that'd be good. I'm going to go back to this later. I, I, I will crash because I'm staring at clouds on some occasion. Yeah, it is not. Especially this week, looking at some of them. Oh, yeah. This week has been incredible, actually. Yeah, lots of, it's it's ra- yeah. rainbow season, they call it. Yeah, it, it's a great time of year, really. Because I was trying to think of it the other day. Well, what if Darren asked me what my favourite time of year is? I won't know what to say to him because mm-hmm. I'm just looking out the window. But this time of year is brilliant. Look at the look at the sky there; it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Or summertime. Well, I don't have to work uh, on summertime. I can actually get out and do stuff. So yeah, don't ask me that. I have no answer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> all of them for many different reasons yeah, when, whenever i'm out yeah exactly and tell me how did you get started and when did you get started in photography um i'm at it about i'd say five and a half years okay um now photography was something that was never on my radar at all um i went to art college down in limerick about 20 years ago did about three years down there right and uh over time i've kind of fallen out of love with art a bit like i don't have the time especially since the kids have come along to sit down sketching all day but i'd always been sketching or doing something creative right from when i was young and uh i think i got to that stage where i don't know if most fellas it happens to most fellas but you're in your 30s you're married you've kids you're working but you're at a bit of a loss you need something to do with your time mm-hmm. so um ever since i got a smartphone whenever i went somewhere with a lane i was always taking a picture of this or taking a picture of that and i was actually a lane that suggested to me sure there's a fella in Athlone, a guy called Liam Kidney, okay. um, who, who does a beginner intro to um, 
DSLR photography. Why don't you give it a go? It's a six-week course. So I signed up anyways and went and didn't even have a DSLR, never used one before. So turned up to the first two classes, took notes, didn't have a camera. I had to, it, was like, it was like an AA meeting. Everybody had to stand up and say their name or what camera they had. Uh, my name's David. I, I don't have a camera. <laughs> so I, I ended up going on done deal and I bought a Canon 1000D off some fella in Navin. And like this was, it was like the Starship Enterprise. I didn't know what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. But um, the great thing about that course was Liam wouldn't let anybody use automatic modes. Very good. So we just had to start learning from manual. And, you know, that was the best foundation we could have done. So it kind of took off from there, really. Do you know, mm, I messed around after the course was finished, messed around a bit for a few months. And then, you know, you look out, the weather's not great. I won't go out this evening to... I won't do that but I wasn't getting here anywhere with it mm-hmm. so I think it was when the beast from the east when we had that uh-huh. uh, I went out that day and I met a local photographer from Tullamore called Paul Moore and Paul turned professional there a couple of years ago he's, he's always on Facebook everybody mm-hmm. knows him in the town Yeah, and I, I had such a good time that day I didn't spend the whole day with Paul just met him for a second mm-hmm. that I decided right I'm going to try and do to make this a serious hobby now I'll go out at least once a fortnight and just see how much better I can get at it. If I can really work at it, the more out of interest, how good could I get at it? Mm-hmm. So like, I'm not saying I'm any good now, but that was really where it started. So. It's interesting. You say it there as well, just a couple of things from that. I mean, I started as well with the Canon 1000D um, and yeah. some, similar to that as well. You know, it was like looking at Starship Enterprise. And I remember at the time going, how do you do these long exposure things? I wanted to try and do something with water. Yeah. And I got it, but I didn't know how I got it. And yeah. Well, what's a filter? <laughs> exactly. I had no, I had no yeah. filter. So I was like, yeah. how are they able to? So I, I figured it out. I, I, I know, obviously, now how I did it. But at the time, I just started turning knobs and dials. And all of a sudden, yeah. it was something coming out that wasn't white. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, wow. I, I, bought, I bought filters online. I went to Club Mac Noise. I'm going to use these filters. But I had no idea what filters were for. <laughs> or what you did with them so i just throw a filter on and take a picture and then look at the picture it's not much different <laughs> i don't know what it is <laughs> but um yeah i eventually saw this guy on um uh, what was it on facebook called bernard garrity oh, yeah. doing a, a little video from a field up in kildare uh turned out he did work did workshops uh-huh. so he was doing a long exposure workshop in glen barrow which is near where i am and uh, I said, I'll sign up for this now. So I ended up going on that. And ever since then, it kind of just took off. Mm, mm, you know? Yeah. Uh, BG is good now, to be fair. And I know we'll probably talk about him as well more in the podcast as well also and yeah. stuff. But it's, you know, it's great to have people like that around, you know. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned there in relation to getting out from the beast from the east. Is it always landscape photography that you've done? Or have you tried other genres of photography since you've really decided yeah. it's going to be a, a passionate hobby? I think it's more predominantly landscapes. You know, at, at the start, of course, I was taking pictures of everything, like most people, I suppose. But really, as landscapes is what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I just like being out, mm-hmm. traveling somewhere. I'd never, I haven't been to uh, getting in the car, finding somewhere new, and just you know having a bit of time to myself, mm-hmm. just trying to create from that. You know, I see guys um, street photography. I love looking at street photography. Yes. You know, you have Dave, you have Dave Craman down in Cork, Brendan O'Shea. Uh, guys like Six Street Under, great to look at, but it's not the buzz I'm after. Like, um, I just like to take it easy and just get my shot, bring it home, edit it, and just enjoy this, the landscape that I'm in. Like, 
Hundred so. percent, and I, and I think the other side of that too is that when you're out in the landscape, you kind of you're away from everything else. You can kind yeah. of switch off, you know. Whereas if you're deciding, I, I I like similar to that as well. I like street photography. I've tried it once, um, and I think I got a nice shot at one point of one thing. It was during yeah. the jazz weekend actually in Cork, but I never really have gone back to it yeah. or tried it again. The landscape Const- is for me. Con- constant stress. <laughs> it is. What's yeah. this person going to say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, and like a tree, a tree won't shout at you, so I don't mind that. Yeah, I always say I don't have to pose a rock, you know. I mean, yeah. that's the thing about it because, like, you know, people photography, it's it's challenging, it's hard, you know. Yeah, it is a skill in itself, yeah, it and you need a a pair of brass nuts on you to to do it to even start off. Fully agree. But, uh, like out being out in the landscape is just there's something special about it, and I think you, if that's what you're after, uh, you know. And that's the best place to go. There's a guy on Instagram. It's a John Myler does a lot with John, mental health. Yeah. And, and, you know, he does brilliant stuff there. And there's definitely a mindfulness aspect to it. Huge. Even if you're, even if you're not going out deliberately for that, you notice it, you know, because I, I forget everything. Mm-hmm. About just if I could take pictures all day. I'd even forget to get my lunch. I come home. I haven't eaten all day. Do you know? But yeah, that's, it's definitely landscapes and just getting lost in the landscapes is what does it for me so i 100 agree with you and it's, it's funny you mentioned john i mean john was one of the founding members of the irish photography podcast he was part of the trio um yeah. so you know john is a great guy from the mindfulness point of view and there's a lot to be said for it as well you know um, oh, definitely. and like you know you have to be able to switch off you have to be able to yeah. wind down the gears i mean we're all going at 150 miles an hour but landscape photography gives you that opportunity to switch off and i love it yeah. because there's no mobile signal for the most places that i'll go so even if somebody yeah. wanted to try and disturb me they can't now the problem yeah. is, is when you come back and you see your phone hopping you've got like five or six voice messages in the space of two hours and you're going jesus yeah. what's going on here i forgot to collect the kids oh god yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah thankfully yeah. i haven't well, done it's, that it's just such a brilliant hobby really yeah. you know um like it's got the techie aspect of it if you're into that it's got the creative aspect it's got a sense of adventure traveling away to like i've seen places in ireland that i would never have gone to mm-hmm, do you know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. understand like i love traveling to these places getting up six o'clock in the morning what little road is google maps going to try and send me up this week mm-hmm. and just arriving at somewhere in galway somewhere down to limerick or cork never been before and then trying to wrangle something out of it mm-hmm. so, yeah for sure so that's great it's great, yeah. it's great. Do you know what it beats going to the pub on a saturday and spending the whole afternoon cursing at a screen for you know, 22 yeah. players that don't care about you but all you're doing is just basically getting riled up for something that in reality you sound like you sound like a man united fan <laughs> oh, yeah. it's gen- <laughs> i generally reference it to man united i actually, you know what i i used to be a football fan when i was younger but photography has taken over um so yeah. i haven't seen a game in i don't know how long um I was an Arsenal fan, actually, which is, you know, surprising in a way because my father was a United supporter and my brother was an Arsenal supporter. And I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to go with Arsenal just to go against my father at the time. So we kept it a rivalry, you know. Yeah, but that I, was like me. I, I picked Aston Villa. So. <laughs> Aston Villa. <laughs> I'm well used to not getting worked up about it. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well have picked Accrington Stanley. I might as well. There's much chance of winning something. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And come here, tell me this, right? So you mentioned how you start, got started in photography. And obviously, there was a number of things that you would have learned from the lessons point of view. And then obviously, you know, with BG and then learning about the filters and such. And then going out for the last five and a half years. So, so far, what do you think has been the best lesson that you've learned? I think the best lesson for anybody starting out is if you do something like a workshop. Mm-hmm. Don't hang up the camera for six months afterwards to go out. 
keep practicing, keep trying it. But like, just add it to your skill set. Um, you had, which I have on a few weeks ago, you had Max Max Snapagram, yeah, yeah, Keith Levens, and he was talking about because he's a fighting background that repetition, mm-hmm. keep doing it, keep doing it, and then eventually it just becomes natural, um, and you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I did a tour down in Kerry with Bernard. And do you know you're hesitant to try something new? I was hesitant to try manual focus because I just hadn't done it before. Right. And uh, one of the guys that was there came over. To, oh, will you show me how to manual focus on it? Two seconds, and it was done. So, like, it was so easy. Mm-hmm. But the next week, I just went out every day, and all I did was manually focus. So it's a piece of cake now. Mm-hmm. But I think at the start, you're you're looking at YouTube, and then you're wary of trying things out because you're not fully sure what to do. So. The best thing to do is just keep going out with the camera, I think. Absolutely. You know what? The more you do something, no matter how bad you are, you will get better incrementally. Um, yeah. It's like walking, do you know? I mean, in reality, we didn't know how yeah. to walk, but we got our first couple of steps, and all yeah. of a sudden, then we and started running. Especially, especially when you're starting out, you get that massive boost at the start. Like, that's when you make your, your biggest gains. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, you know, Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. You think you know everything, then yeah. you realize you know nothing. You know nothing. Uh, I think I'm at that bit at the minute. I'm at the realizing I know nothing bit. So hopefully, listen, I have all the time in the world to do this yeah. as a hobby. Like, I could be doing it when I'm 80 years old. So Exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm in no rush. Yeah. Ah, do you know what? No, look, I mean, it's something that I think, you know, you've got many places as well to go visit. I mean, you're in the centre of Ireland. Oh, God, so, yeah. you know, yeah. everywhere is more or less the same distance away, if you want to put it in that way, because you can go yeah. to different areas. And actually, speaking of that, I mean, you mentioned with Paul Moore. I mean, Paul, you know, um, uh, Loch Owl has got some beautiful shots from around there. Loch yeah, Ennell has got some beautiful yeah. shots around there. So where have you photographed locally? Uh, with a couple of spots locally. Do you know, everybody kind of likes to give out about their local area sometimes so there's nothing in it but mm-hmm. like we have some nice i'm only 10 minutes away from the canal if i'm in a pinch right uh you know if it's looking like a good sunrise or sunset we've a we've a, a lock house on the canal here in tullamore boland's lock mm-hmm. and the great thing about it is you'd be one side of it and you get the sunrise if you go the other side you get the sunset Hang on. so if it's looking good and you don't have much time you can fly down there and then we've there's a castle the far side of tullamore shrack castle then you have Charleville Castle as well with the woods around it. Mm-hmm. If it's foggy or anything like that, it spend a lot of time up there. And then I'm, what, 25 minutes away from Glenbarrow, 20 minutes away from Kennedy, Kennedy Castle and the forest around there. So there are plenty of spots around. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm, I'm, I'm never stuck for somewhere to go. And, and you mentioned as well, though, you know, that you've gone to different parts. I mean, for me, I'm from Cork and it's always strange for Corkman to say that my favourite place to go take photos is Kerry. Um, but have you got a favourite place in Ireland to go take photos? I would have always said Wicklow. Okay. Because I just like I just like Wicklow. I like being in Wicklow. I like driving around it. Um, do you know, you do a little trip around it. So you go to Clockley and then you head up the Sally Gap. And mm-hmm. There's so many nice places just to stop and take a few pictures and mm-hmm. end up in Glendalough. Mm-hmm. Um, Connemara now, I'd say, would be rivaling that. for. I'd say the two of them are number one at the minute. Like, Connemara is just brilliant like in nearly in any weather condition Connemara is nice except maybe clear blue skies but it's probably still nice then as well yeah do you know um like if the weather turns terrible brilliant the weather's terrible Connemara is just going to look better so yeah I I really like there as well now there's a couple of places I haven't got to much Donegal I haven't got up there yet that's that's on the books for next year so there's plenty of space for a, a third location to get into the top spot 
Well, you know what? I mean, we'll, we'll, I want to get into a bit more detail about Connemara actually later in the show with you because I think Connemara is a absolute gem of an area yeah. with so it's many a, different it's a, opportunities. It's a superstar of a location. It yeah. is, yeah. And I mean, look, you know, Donegal. Um, Donegal is, again, a superstar of a location. I've gone to Donegal twice on two trips and both trips I had to cut short early. So I still have unfinished business with Donegal. And I've only scratched the surface in relation to it. But like, oh, yeah. Donegal is incredible. Um, uh, the whole coast of Ireland, I think. I mean, I'm a seascape photographer yeah. at heart, but the whole coast of Ireland is just beautiful. But you've got certain little areas that stand head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah. And Donegal... I, I just love that West Coast. Yeah. That West Coast. Like, uh, we went to West Cork for a couple of days during the summer. Just brought, we stayed in Inchidani. You just brought the kids down for a couple of days. Nice. Now, the, weather was, the weather was terrible while we were there. It did non-stop rain for a few days. But I, I got a gap of about an hour and I ended up in Gugambara. Oh, nice. Uh, I've always wanted, that was like one of my bucket list places. I always wanted to get there and it was just brilliant. Yeah. So we're back down in Cork again next summer. So if a couple of other places wouldn't mind trying Baltimore Beacon. and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a few more places now that I, I didn't get to go to that I wouldn't mind going to go to next year. I'll, I'll do up a little list for myself. Yeah, there's a lot of places in, in, in the whole coastal area. I mean, Cork is, is lovely. I mean, Beira is a place I think that is underexplored. Yeah, um, Norm, Norman McCloskey, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I remember when I had Norman, like, you know, I was talking to him in relation to that. I, I've gone to Beira, I don't know how many times, and again, I'm still only scratching the surface in relation to yeah. it. It's a gem, and it's not... The big thing, the thing I love about that is that, you know, tourists or not even tourists, but photographers, let's just say, you'll go to the honeypot locations, and the honeypot locations are the ones that have been photographed a lot. They're beautiful for a reason, and you want to go and you want to get that shot, but yeah. Beira... I think has so many little hidden gems within that. There's one area actually, which is on the Vera Peninsula. It's it's in Kerry, and it's on the part of Kenmare, let's just say. But in there, you've got a waterfall, which is absolutely beautiful. You've got an old famine cottage that's there. You've got a stone circle that's in there. You have a number of different lakes and hikes. You've got so much inside in that one little area. And is that, I think I've seen shots from there. You have a, a tiny little cottage, and you can see a waterfall in the exactly. background. Exactly. That yeah, that's the old yeah. famine cottage. Yeah. yeah, I love that place. Yeah, yeah. beautiful it's area lovely. there. You know, so like West Cork, I mean, of course, I'd be proud of Cork being a Cork man. Like, but I mean, um, the whole area, of the coast is is phenomenal. And I do think, you know, myself and Bernard have chatted about this a lot, and we've even spoke about it when we were on Clubhouse about you know the the, the honeypot locations internationally. Everybody goes to Iceland. Most people are going to the Faroes now. Norway becomes another area to go to. Yeah. But like Ireland has so much to offer that it's now starting to only finally get the attention of the international photographers who want to come and witness these coasts that we have. And it's it's yeah. true. I mean, you know, you get incredible waves. You get incredible sheer cliffs. And on top of all that, you've got great people where the crack is mighty and you can get a fine pint and a, and a, and a grub and a place to stay, which is not yeah. going to cost and you. And it's, so, it's so easy to get around as well. And you're never, you know, you're not 20 hours away from somewhere, you know, Precisely. and it's not too difficult to get somewhere. You're, you're, what, four hours away? You could stay overnight, yeah. head down to Kerry. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned a couple of international spots there, I suppose. You know, one, one final question before I go for break is um, where have you gone internationally? Absolutely nowhere. Okay. Where do you want to go internationally? I, I want to go to Lofoten. Nice. That's probably my number one. I always wanted to see the Northern Lights, let alone shoot them. Mm -hmm. um, that would be number one. Isle of Skye would be another. Mm -hmm. um, then you're looking at Iceland. You know, there's a hundred of other 
places that I wouldn't mind going. Mm-hmm. Slovenia, actually. I keep seeing Slovenia on Instagram lately. Mm-hmm. Like, that looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really nice. Yeah. I think every tour seems to be there at the minute. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, it, but I think it's the time of the year as well because the conditions are right there. Um, yeah. You know, you get you know, not not summery clear skies. You will get some nice conditions but yeah you're, you're getting a lot of this haze and fog and churches sticking up out yeah it's just yeah. brilliant L- lake bled is, is is incredible i mean you know and you talk about other areas as well that people are going to is one that i definitely want to go to is tuscany um because yeah. i want to be able to see you know that rolling mists and across the hills and such like that and i yeah with those those lines of trees just going through it yeah yeah and i i, I work uh with an italian guy and he goes on holidays every year to tuscany and I was saying to him, you know, get me a picture of the mist. He's like, what do you mean get you a picture of the mist? Get me a picture of the mist, please. Because it, they, people that aren't photographers don't see it as what it actually is, you know. And that's, yeah. I think that's the beauty of international spots. But the challenge actually about an international spots, and you mentioned it a second ago too, I think the best way to experience an international spot is with a tour. Because if you have to go Definitely. on your own, you're going to spend so much time trying to find locations at the, at the wrong time for the wrong yeah. light. And, you know, you might pick a place that you go, okay, we're going to base ourselves from here. And that could be miles away from anywhere yeah. that could you want to go photographing, you know. So it yeah. takes the hassle away from it as well, David. But it's, it's, you know, there's a lot to be said for just a tour and a workshop to have someone plan it all for you, hop in a van, and they just bring you along. Yeah. Do you know, yeah. that that's brilliant. And then to have them there, just said, if you saw the Northern Nights, well, how am I going to shoot this? Okay, I've looked at YouTube videos, but is it actually really going to work? Mm-hmm. Great to have someone beside you who know who's done it before and knows exactly how to do it. So, hundred yeah, percent. I know. I'm a big advocate for workshops. Yeah. as a way as a way of learning. Yeah, hundred percent. And plus, you get to meet people as well and have crack. You know, that's the most important part. Yeah, and uh, do you know what? They're always nice. Always nice. Like, I'm amazed that um, like it probably sounds a bit cheesy, but at how nice the community is mm-hmm. in photography in ireland anybody i've met in a tour anybody i've interacted with on instagram mm-hmm. they're all lovely mm-hmm. like um you know keith arkins yeah. was the person who put you on to me yeah like that's that's typical keith do you know <laughs> <laughs> like just so you've met him actually i think you had him on the show once before i, I, I featured him as one of the sunday show, yeah insta spotlights i think it was yeah it's just like I, I think keith just sums up that whole spirit of the community in ireland like just super nice super supportive you know you, you'd run through a wall after a comment on instagram you know yeah just yeah no top look yeah absolutely absolutely all right okay look what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna take a break there okay and i'll be right back i want to talk to you actually it's funny you mentioned there about the insta spotlights i want to talk to you about an image that i featured on the sunday showcase as well uh number oh, one's yeah. back so yeah we'll be right back after this Great. If you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast, why not jump back and listen to the back catalogue we have of episodes, where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests, gear reviews, lots of hints and tips, and above all else, keeping you company while you drive or relax. Thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So, David, um... You mentioned there, you know, that you've got a number of different areas that you photograph around where you're from. And as I said before the break, I want to talk to you about an image that you'd taken of Tullamore. I remember at the time looking at the image going, wow, this is a great image. I think it was picked for myself and Rodney O'Callaghan actually were doing the episode um, yeah. on the Sunday Showcase. And if anybody doesn't know what the Sunday Showcase is, it's basically our Facebook group. Uh, every Sunday, there's a post there, shows your shots, shows what you photograph within the week. And then every so often, um, I'll pick some shots with a guest and we'll go through and we'll each pick 
three images. And one of the images that was picked, actually, was your shot of Tullamore. Tell us a bit more about this shot. Yeah, um, it was a drone shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was back in January that I took it. It was minus eight. Wow. And I, I was only after getting this drone, I got a little Mavic Air at Christmas just to see what I use it. I had an old camera I wasn't using. I said, well, I'll trade this in. Mm-hmm. I'll get a drone, see if I use it. Because if I've one complaint about Offaly, there's no elevation. Okay, yeah. Like yeah. We don't have any great mountains in the background. There's no huge hills or lovely valleys like you get in Wicklow or something like that. Uh-huh. So I always thought if I got a drone and was able to get it up and could just get a different perspective of the town or different parts of the town, like iconic buildings or something like that, it'd be something I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've always had a, this thought that drones would work better if you had conditions like fog, frost, sunrise, that type of thing. So mm-hmm. I just I took a chance one morning. My dad, I actually wanted to take a picture originally of um, Shra Castle. Okay. And it wasn't really lining up with the canal. The, can, the canal was kind of leading you out of the frame of it. Mm-hmm. So I just flew the drone that was actually the hardest thing to do was just get used to flying the drone <laughs> so i drew the um flew the drone forwards and the two ro- there's a railway line and a road that kind of arc in front of you and i hadn't really noticed how much they arc mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. you know because everything's fucking flat mm-hmm. so and i could see the town it just looked fantastic you'd all the you know you'd all the chimney fires burning mm-hmm. and the sun was coming in from sides so brilliant i'll take this so I, t- I think i took did I do like a, a panel? I don't know how to do an automatic panel on the drone, so I just kind of took it, turned it and took a few pictures. So, yeah, I, I think it was, it was only about me third or fourth shot with wow. the drone, I think. So, wow. yeah, I, I was I was surprised, and especially Rodney as well. He, he's so good at drone shots, and, and I think he was he was posting a lot of drone shots that week, so maybe that helped me a bit. But mm-hmm. no, I was delighted with that. Yeah, I yeah, know it was a great shot. I mean, one of the things that we struggled with actually was trying to figure out where it was, um, and we didn't really oh, yeah. kind of know. I, I never wrote it on it. Yeah, we did. We didn't know where it was, <laughs> but I mean, there was so much atmosphere, as you say, from the chimney smoke that was coming through. There was so much in relation to the canal. You had the railway lines, and then you could see the two towers at Tullamore. When I actually went, you did tell me it was Tullamore. I was like, oh, okay, that now I think I know where it is. But it was a great shot, and you know, it was a great shot as well to to feature and. Thanks for sharing it within the group because oh, like, no problem. Thanks for picking it out. That was good. And not only that, but I mean the fact that you only just got the drone. I mean, what a great way to start out in the drone photography journey too. Yeah, I, and you know what? It's probably just set me on a path now where I'm only going to use the drone when there's ice or frost or fog or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because I, I went out once or twice more with it, and I got similar results of other parts of the county. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to using it again. Don't get to use it as much as I'd like, though. I think everybody is like that with a drone. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, drones are a great thing to have, particularly, as you say, you know, in Offaly, you don't have any yeah. elevation, so you can have the yeah. elevation that's they're, there. They're a great complement to your main camera. Yeah. Just to have it. It's just a small thing. Keep it in the bag. And if you think uh, you'll get a worthwhile shot, throw it up and have a look. Absolutely. You know, there's no harm in trying it. I mean, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, okay. You try yeah, it. Don't yeah. You're flying a little helicopter around. It's fun and it's exactly. Fast. It's great fun just to fly it around <laughs> the place. Anyway, the fact that it has a camera is a bonus, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I suppose you know something else then as well. Looking at your shots, right? I mean, look your your gallery of images on Instagram is beautiful. Um, there's Thanks. there's a number of shots, I suppose, within that. But there's a couple of styles as well. I want to kind of talk to you in relation to. And one is your woodland shots, because tell me how do you approach your woodland shots? Do you plan them? Do you go down to fly? What do you what have you got in mind? What do you consider? Um, well, wood, woodland, uh, I know Simon Baxter when it comes to woodlands, but 
You don't have I, a dog think, called Meg, no? I don't have a dog called Meg. I think that would just complicate things <laughs> further. Uh, like with Woodlands, I just try and make it as easy as possible for myself. Do you know, um, I go out for the 24 to 105 lens. I think that's a better lens to be using. Mm-hmm. It just kind of simplifies things. You can zoom in a bit. Um, usually I'll go for a walk with the kids. I'll have a look, a scout around. If you can find a nice tree that you can make as a subject or a clearing, I'll usually go around the edge of the woods. Mm-hmm. And then from that, you kind of, okay, golden or which side will the sun be coming in? And I'll try and look for that time of day and you'll be able to get nice light coming in from the side because I think it's very hard woodland. Mm-hmm. So you, you just want to try and simplify it as much as possible. Because if you go out during flat light, you tend to it's very hard to get depth into an image yep. a lot of the woodland here is it's very overgrown overgrown mm-hmm. you know on the forest floor and stuff like that so look for symmetry things like that you know all that type of stuff just to give yourself a chance and if there's fog straight to the forest oh well do you know what i mean it's something again i wanted to ask you here about fog because i mean the question I want to ask you is fog your friend or foe i mean i know the answer of fog is going to be a friend right oh, but yeah. um when we have the time of the year that we have right now, the mornings are typically when you're going to have very, very good fog. But if you can't get out in the morning, tell me about the kind of the, the topography around you. Do you get fog that lingers or does it burn off? Or is it, can you get uh, fog later in the morning or in, during the day? Or is it always in the morning that you can get fog? It's generally in the morning. If if you get a good settling of fog, it might last up till around 11 mm-hmm. and then it'll burn off. Mm-hmm. So, and there's nothing more disappointing than driving to work when it's foggy. Yeah. I'd rather be doing anything else. <laughs> now, the, at the odd time, like there's a great app um, called Windy. Yeah. I don't know if you have it. I have it, That's yeah. brilliant, for, brilliant for predicting fog. So if I notice it and if I can maybe take a sneaky day off work, yeah. I'll, text, I'll text someone and say, listen, I, I'll be in late tomorrow. I'll be in at around lunchtime. Mm-hmm. I'll try and go out then because, you know, you can do so, so much more in the town when there's fog. Yeah. Than you usually can, yeah. um, like I've got shots here in Tullamore trees that generally would have schools behind them. You'd never take the shot, but when there's fog and it just you have that fall off behind the subject, it just makes it so much easier. Do you know uh, what I love most about pictures in Tullamore is when someone goes, "Is that, is that Tullamore?" Yeah. Go, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but and I think I think fog is brilliant for that. Like I'll, I'll always stay local if there's fog. Because you can just get unique shots that you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And another area as well, you know, that fog is great for is within the woodlands. And if you've got within the woodland yeah. as well, you know, again, another side of photography I've seen in your Instagram um, feed is waterfalls. So, you know, yeah. like if you can get it's 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 the perfect mix. You know, I mean, you get a beautiful woodland, you get a waterfall and you have the fog coming into it as well. It's something which is bang, you know, you know, that you're yeah. going to get a banger image there. Yeah, that's magic. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you how do you approach your your waterfall photography then? Is it similar to your woodland photography, or do you have a different approach in relation to that? It'd be different. It's easier. Okay. You know, uh, like waterfalls, they're like lighthouses. Yeah, you have a great subject already. So really, you're just kind of trying to manage the scene in front of you. To, you know, your foreground, just because you want the person's attention, just to go from your foreground and flow up to the waterfall. Mm-hmm. And it's great if you have maybe a cascade in front of you get the wellies on, get in, get the camera in front of that. And just after that, then it's just simplifying things and just managing the space in the image, just kind of make sure it's balanced, don't have huge gaps. Uh, that's what I spend most of my time doing is just shuffling the camera around mm-hmm. 
and just to make sure everything just kind of fits right in the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love waterfalls. If, if you haven't been out in a while, a waterfall is a brilliant thing to go to. It just snaps you back into gear. Absolutely. And, you know, you said one key thing there, which is throw on the wellies and get into the water because yeah. you can get such a better flow of an image with the water coming towards the camera as opposed to just coming along the side of the camera. I mean, yeah. and I went one step further. I bought full on fishing waders. Um, so I've like, thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're perfect because you never know. I mean, you, you, you know, the water can be deceptive how deep it is. Um, <laughs> and I've had that situation where I think that's ah, deep enough. I had the wellies on all of a sudden it's up past my knees and now I'm just yeah. soaked, you know? So yeah, the, the fishing waders are, um, are very, very a good tool. And actually funny one is John Myler. Actually, we were out, um, in, in, in Wicklow. And he just bought a, um, a Lee polarizer, right? And he put it onto the front of the camera and the Lee polarizing, the Lee filter holder system is notorious because a little clip and it would fall off. Yeah, it just drops off, yeah. And that's exactly what happened. He just spent, he spent 210 euro on this polarizer. It was his first time going to use it. And then bang, went into the water and the water was black water so you couldn't see anything and he's like i'm not letting this go you know he's like it's it's in there i know it's in there and i had my fishing so he, i had my fish my fishing waders on he asked me could he borrow the fishing waders i said sure thing man no problem so off he went in anyway um and he was looking down in the water and he could see the little um the, the brass uh, connector that you have on the top of the, the filter holder he could see that He's like, I can see it. I said, okay, can you reach it? He said, I can't reach it because it's actually down by his feet and the water was up past his waist. So he said, look, I'm going to have to go in and get this. Like, And I said, okay, man. He says, do you want to take the waders off? He said, I can't. The water is freezing. It was in February or whatever it was, you know. So he said, look, I'm going to have to get your waders wet. And I went, all right, man, sure, grand. Like, you know, so he had to bend down and pretty much put his whole self into the water to grab this. But of course, the waders at the top, that just filled with water then. So he was he was basically in a, in, a, in a wetsuit, effectively full of water, and he, he couldn't move then to try and get out of the water afterwards. You know, he got the filters, he got the filter uh, holder, but like you know, without the, the 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 waders, there was no way he was going to be able to even spot where it was. You know what I mean? So I remember him afterwards; he was absolutely shivering because of it. Like, God, I mean, how was his mindfulness then? Well, I think that was probably one where he had to draw on it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and like to stop the shivering, like, do you know what I mean? But yeah, I think for waterfalls, you really have to get in to the water. And yeah, all, you need to get in there. Like, do you know, it's it's a ready-made foreground for you. Agreed. Do you know, and do you know, and it's so easy just to lead someone through an image with a waterfall um, with the water yeah. and then just bring it back, edit it, do a bit, bit of dodging and burning, just tidy it up. Looks great. And the polarizer. And the polarizer, most important thing. Yeah, most important. You know, I mean, the amount of people I see that don't have a polarizer, because it's expensive, okay, it's generally an expensive piece of glass, but it transforms everything that you want if, to do. If, if you're going to buy one filter, buy a polarizer. Exactly, 100%. You know, and even there, you'd see beautiful images, but you've got this big sheen coming off an area which detracts your eye from it, whereas the polarizer yeah, will especially with especially with leaves when you got all those little white dots in the background or like you don't have to put the polarizer on full all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can look all right, with a bit of a shine on a rock, mm-hmm. but um, then like, they're just so handy to have. And it makes it a lot easier when you're editing then as well, just because there's nothing worse than having that white sheen on top of water. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, 
Okay, so we kind of mentioned there a moment ago about uh, Connemara, and we've mentioned recent to uh, uh, going on tours with BG. So tell me, like, what was the story with that trip? Like, you got some phenomenal images, and you mentioned about Keith saying, "Okay, I got to get you on the podcast." Is to kind of say, "Okay, what does he do? Tell us his secrets and such like that," because the images that you've gotten from that trip are absolutely phenomenal. So come on, spill the beans. What was what was the story with this trip? There was well, there's no secrets to it. Um, like. From all my years, like I'm, I'm at photography five years, and it has to be the best mornings photography I've ever had. Um, I've done tours with Bernard Dr. Kerry mm-hmm. up the North Causeway Coast, but that few hours to, up in Connemara was the best, like few hours of photography that I've ever had. Everything went right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Mark Fletcher was on the trip as well, mm-hmm. and we got there. It was looking all right. It was looking kind of dull. And then maybe about 20 minutes before sunrise, Bernard goes, right, everybody out. He saw a gap at the far side. So we all hopped, hopped out and were fingers crossed. Wasn't even a great reflection on the lake at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so myself and Mark set up one side. And all of a sudden, just before the sky lit up, the reflection appeared. Mm-hmm. And the sky lit up at the same time. Wow. Brilliant. And then it just hung around. So... I took a couple of shots there, was able to walk the whole way around the lake back to where Bernard was, get more shots there. Brilliant. Then where do we go? Loch Ina after that, just a little fishing hut there. Mm-hmm. And just as we were approaching it, the van started speeding up. Bernard saw that the light was hitting the mountains in the background, popped out, stayed on the mountains in the background. Yeah. And just as we got down to the shoreline, a gap appeared in the cloud and the light started hitting the fishing hut. And we got a reflection. It was just one of those days. Mm. Wherever we went, the conditions were perfect. And I think myself and Mark spent more time telling the new people that were doing the tour, hadn't done a tour at all before, mm-hmm. that it, it's not always like this. Just <laughs> don't be expecting this every time you go out. Like We couldn't believe it. Uh, if, Ca- know, if Carlsberg uh, did photography trips, that would yeah, be it. Yeah, that would be it. Yeah. Do you know, it was, you were getting conditions that you wouldn't get in two years' worth of going out every week. It just in the space of a few hours, just a, a, a real freakish day. It's brilliant. Yeah. So. And you know what? I mean, I, I always say it, and hats off to Bernard, because Bernard will always go to on, a, on a trip without a plan, except that the plan is I'm going to go and I'm going to get you where the light is. And yeah. he is, he's a fecker for it. I mean, I don't know how he does it. Yeah. He does it. We always but, joke, but, you've done a deal with the devil here again. Like, do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but you know, he, he's so well prepared. Yeah. Um, like when I go on a tour now, he'll generally leave me to just do my own thing. Like he gives me hints and tips and things like that. But there's so much to learn off by just watching him. And why, why is he making this decision? He always has like a plan A, yeah. plan B, and a plan depending on what the weather is. And you learn so much just by watching why he makes those decisions. Why is he going over there? Do you know? That's why I spend most of my time on tour doing this, just kind of watching him. Why is he doing that? Um, do you know? Like it's and it's so. It's fantastic just to be able to learn off someone like him. It is, absolutely. And look, you know, it, it was a great location. Connemara, as we said, is beautiful, but you've got yeah. everything, all the ducks lining up there in a row. Yeah, it's super. Yeah. Like, I could probably go back a hundred times and not get that morning again. But um, yeah. it's a few of them off the list. Grant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Happy that's, days. That's Derry Clare done for a couple of years. And actually, you know, you know, you, you go off out, you get your images, right? So you've got your SIM card, it's brimming full of images, and you can't wait to get back home to edit. So tell me about your editing process. Do you think that you've developed a style so far, or do you take each image as its own merit and have a different output? Tell me about your approaches to your editing. Um, I generally take each image, image as it comes. Um, 
I've always tried to avoid a style. Um, I, I kind of thought that would be restrictive in some way. Mm-hmm. Do you know, like sometimes you see people and they have a certain filter or kind of, they might desaturate an image and that becomes their thing. Mm-hmm. And then every image to put up is like that. Mm-hmm. I, I always kind of wanted to avoid that. Now there are certain things I do with every image, you know, with shadows or um, go into the Nick collection and do a bit in that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a couple of things I always do, but generally I just edit it to my taste and till I think it looks good. And it, it'll be maybe someone else would be better in deciding if I have a style or not. Mm. Um, I don't know, but I just try and edit it till it looks nice, and that's about it. How long would you spend on an image on average? The better the image, the less time you'd spend on it. Okay. Um, Good answer, by the way. <laughs> do you, <laughs> I, I usually take my time with them. Like, I, I know Bern will tell you five, ten minutes, and that'll be enough. But I, I just like kind of tipping away and trying different things because you learn more about editing and doing that anyways. Mm-hmm, for sure. You know? yeah. and might, you might stumble across something, oh, geez, that actually looks better from doing that. I might try that again. Um, and it's just fun. I, I enjoy editing. editing. You know, I suppose if I was a wedding photographer, I might hate it, but like I only have a couple of images, so it's grand just to pass the time and try out a few different things with it. Um, how, yeah, how long do you leave them cook for? I won't look at them that evening, I might leave it to the next day and I'll work on one or two, and then I leave them for a few days and then go back and look at them again because that's that's probably the best thing you could do because um, going back after a few days, you see things with new eyes, mm-hmm. they don't look as good as they did the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't be in a rush with them. And have you gone back over and edited any of your earlier images now, based on what you've learned on your editing? I don't want to say style, because you say okay, you take it each each image with its own merit. But have you gone back any of your older images now and done a re-edit on those? Um, a couple of them, yeah. The first time I was at Derry Clare Lock, um, I posted an image to Instagram, and it was it was grand. I did an all right edit on it. It was very blue. Okay. I loved it at the time. Right, and then. I think it was about two years later. I, I went off blue and uh, I went back and started re-editing things and it actually looked a lot better. And mm. I kind of mm. had that, you know, if you desaturate the blue, sometimes you get this lovely silvery mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. look to it. So, yeah, I've done a couple. It's a good thing to do, you know, because you do learn, yeah. as you say, like you're not only going out and using the camera, but you do learn every single time you edit an image too because you will figure something out that works for an image that you didn't know or you needed to know on something you would have done in the past. Yeah. And I, I always find that that's something that is always kind of interesting for me to even look at, you know, you mentioned there, you know, thinking that you know everything when you're realizing you know absolutely nothing, right? Um, it's the same thing when you look back in your photography, even at the processed image that you put out five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, two years ago. And I remember at the time you say, that, okay, you know, there was a bit too much blue. I mean, I, I joke all the time with people are kind of going, you know, when you first get into Lightroom, the slider is not designed to go to 10. You don't have to bring it to yeah. 10, you know. But I said, Geez, I Clarity to 100. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where, you know, you can get some great gains in the editing because it's the smallest amount. It's the subtleness that you need to yeah. do. Um, yeah. And I had a video actually there a couple of weeks back, which, which really taught me a lot was... Um, I was thinking about my, I don't know if you saw the video or not, it was um, reimagined, I call it, the, the, the image, the videos, but I was thinking when I do my edits, I have my own bias and I have my own default that I would apply to my images. And I wondered how other people would edit my image and would they get a different output? So I asked a few of the guys, I suppose, that would have been guests in the podcast, but I suppose they're, one, they're the bigger names that are out there. Yeah, um, some top guys. Or... Yeah, and Adam Gibbs to me was one that really blew me away because he did an awful lot, but he did very little as well at the same time. Yeah. I, I think I actually learned more from his videos regarding editing than 
anybody else. Yeah. I watched a lot of his with dodging and burning and how he manages his colors and greens. Stuff. He's got some great videos for that. He does, yeah. So, you know, in editing, I think, and I think you'll agree with it, it, it less is more. And it's not a case yeah. of, you know, uh, as you say, go to clarity on to 10. Like, and, you know, if there's, if there's an 11, I'd, I'd actually buy the, the software that would give me the 11 to be able to use it. You know, that kind of way. So it's a, yeah. it's always eye-opener, but it's a great process to be able to go back over your your own images and even seeing your own progress. Because um, I even look at images yeah. that I've taken six months ago that I thought were great. And now I go, Jesus, okay, that's not good. Yeah. You know? Instagram is brilliant for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I generally leave up every image that I've posted because it's a great way just to scroll back and see your progress. And like when I go back, very drab colors and then almost cartoonish colors. And you see them start to improve incrementally as you, you go along. I'd, I'd say what I work out most is just honing colors now mm-hmm. or shadows, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. There's a great guy on um, Instagram called Ed Allen. Okay. I don't know if you've ever, um, but he's fantastic colors. Uh, Stephen Dunbar up to note as well. It's great colors as well. Just very deep colors, very deep shadows. And I'm kind of, I kind of aim in more that direction at the minute. Nice. It could be completely different next year. First. Well, do you know what? And probably be different again the year after that too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Listen, look, that's been uh, fascinating there. I think it's been really interesting having those conversations about your style and the different things and your approaches. What I want to do is I want to take one final break there and I'll be right back. I've got three questions I ask every guest and I'm going to ask you the same three questions. So I'll be right back after this. Great. If you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast, why not jump back and listen to the back catalogue we have of episodes, where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests, gear reviews, lots of hints and tips, and above all else, keeping you company while you drive or relax. Thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you're very welcome back to the final part of the Irish Photography Podcast. So David, like I said, I have three questions that I ask every guest. And the first question is, tell me. A funny photography story. Okay, this is the hardest question of a lot of them. I think. <laughs> um, like, I, I don't know how f- if I have any really funny stories. I'm, I'm on my own ninety nine percent of the time. Um, I usually have the general mishaps that everybody has. The type of thing that you edit out of your uh, YouTube videos, yeah. mostly falling in rivers, <laughs> fell in a river down in Wicklow, and then saw my mask float past me and down the river. Um, <laughs> but a couple of months ago, I, I was scouting this. Um, Little, I want to I'm going to try not to be rude here. I thought it was a shack, a little abandoned cottage. Right. Okay. Um, on the way to this forest uh, called Glenafelli, and I had passed this place. I must have passed it ten times. The door, front door, wide open, any time of the day or night. No lights on. Nothing in the garden. Like the garden was all overgrown, and like it had looked run down. And there was a newly built house about a hundred yards down the road. And I said, it's a lovely abandoned little cottage mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Great. And there was nothing behind it. So I thought, you know, it'd be great maybe for star trails or something like that. I'll stop the next time I'm going past and just kind of scout it, maybe take another picture. Got there anyways, looked the very same. No lights on, front door wide open, curtain, like windows open with curtains swinging out and that type of thing. Right. And it was always like that. Hopped out, got the camera on a tripod, going to take an image. Heard this dog barking. What the hell is that? Then heard this man shouting and cursing wildly. So I thought to myself, oh, shit. <laughs> Lifting my head up from the camera and there's this 90-year-old man and this tiny little Bichon freeze dog coming out the front door. Of the house. And he was, of the house. And he was looking to fight. So what the F are you doing here? And 
I just had to say, uh, I like, and I didn't want to tell him, I'm sorry, I thought your house was abandoned because that would just make things worse. And, you know, he was coming towards me with the fists up and fortunately he was moving that slowly that I had about, you know, 10 minutes just to, (laughs) I I was trying to explain myself. I'm going to delete the picture. I'm sorry. And eventually I just, I was worried he'd come over and he'd fall trying to hit me or something like that. And then I'd be standing there with a man on the ground and a beach on freeze biting me in the ankle like what am i going to do here so i just apologized deleted the pictures hopped in the car and drove out there as fast as i could wow but uh yeah my own fault should have scouted that a bit better i've learned my lesson but you scouted it 10 times when you were passing the front doors well, open I, and the wavy I, curtains in the windows i i drove past that and you you wouldn't think anybody was in it was he real was he know? a ghost he was definitely real anyways. He wasn't too happy to see me. I, I'd say I've been blamed for every burglary and uh, misadventure in that area for the last fucking three months. Wow. Wow. Jesus, man. Is that crazy? The doors open the whole time and everything like that. Yeah. Like, And me avoiding street photography because I don't want any confrontation. There you go now. You, there yeah, you, go now. You, you did it by default. They were not even realizing it. <laughs> All right, that's a good funny story. That's a good funny story. Okay. Um, tell me what gear do you use? What's your camera? What's your lenses, etc.? Uh, well, I have the same camera as yourself, actually. The Canon R. Canon, yeah, the, good. Um, I had an 80D before that. That was a brilliant camera. Yeah, nice uh, camera. But I yeah. kind of promised myself, you know, if I'm still doing this after a few years, I'd buy one of those fancy full-frame ones. So, yeah, got the R. It's fantastic, you know, just by holding it. It's a, it's a lovely it's a great piece camera. of kit. Like, yeah. Um, so I still have my my EF lenses at the sixty to thirty five and the twenty four to one hundred five, which is the most underrated lens you can have. Agreed. And uh, I have a Tamron seventy to three hundred, which I don't get to use as much as I should, but yeah, it's it's an all right lens as well. Nice. Um, and then I have a little Canon M six. Um, I'm always on the lookout for a, a good second camera, a little small one you can put in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, you know yourself if you're somewhere with the kids absolutely the, the last thing they're the most impatient people in the world mm-hmm. and there's no patience for dad putting a camera on a tripod mm-hmm. and looking at a tree mm-hmm. so generally i have this little one that i put in my pocket and i can bring that around and it's got a good sensor it's got the ATD sensor in it okay, so very good it actually takes yeah. takes decent pictures and i can adapt the other lenses onto it just for a bit of extra reach mm-hmm. um other than that what do i have or oh, the samyang 20 millimeter 2.8 lens for, for astro astro for astro that i don't get to do and uh i've i've a van two vanguard tripods now they're all right i've a little vanguard travel tripod which has served me very well i like that tripod and then i have a bigger big heavy one mm-hmm. um that i bring on tours so burner won't give out to me for having a small <laughs> light one <laughs> and then other than that you know i went through the phase of buying camera bags so i have a two low pro bags of a little small one if i'm traveling light and the a good solid big one good good everything else oh. with the name of it i couldn't tell you is it is it silver and gray in color no it's a black one all right okay it's probably what's it called a flip it's flip got a flip side. Side. Yeah, flip side yeah flip side yeah 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 and um what filters do you use i have a format high-tech filters very good from bernard yeah yeah it was bernard to put my on yeah. they're great i see you with the case, case ones, ones actually yeah. the magnetic one yeah they look really good actually i love that magnetic feature that they have yeah it's really good um, the, only, the only problem it is is that the graduated is absolutely not forget about it it's it's a joke which i generally don't i tend not to use yeah. one anyways yeah, i'm the same it's as very that. rarely a user graduated filter yeah, same as that I, i've had to change and it's huge yeah it is yeah no case i come up with a new one actually which is interesting but it doesn't work on the wolverine one that i have which is the circulars but it's a double uh, graduated filter. So you've a soft on the top, turn it round on the other end and you've a hard. 
so that you can slot right. it in and you can move it this way or just turn your lens holder and now it's the other way around. So it's, instead of having the bowl bottom clear, you've got uh, um, neutral density, different variances in the top and bottom. Quite interesting, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you find some reason to use it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, look, you know, it's got good stuff on the Canon, good lenses as well, and you know, yeah, good solid feet. I think is really, really important as well. So that's the secret, I think, yeah. to how getting your shots is just to make sure you bring a good tripod so burn doesn't give out to you. Yeah, a, a good solid tripod, and I, I was always terrible for not using a tripod. Okay, um, I, I'd go, I'd run around with the camera in hand, you know, when I was starting out and stuff. And I remember the first time um, I actually met up with Keith Arkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went up to was it doing the reef forest park and uh i was running around with the camera in hand and i, I look over at keith and he's carefully putting the camera on the tripod carefully setting up his composition i'm just thinking oh, oh it's proper photography we're doing okay right um uh, so do you know you, you learn off everybody keith will say, keith's that modest he'll tell you you can learn nothing off him but like ever since there, ever since then, I've kind of used the tripod a bit more. Okay, maybe I should be doing it this way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the shots are better. I can focus that and things like that. Absolutely, yeah. And you know what? I mean, it's very important to have good solid feet, particularly if you're going to be in water, because the water will yeah. move the tripod legs or, or near a cliff edge. Yes, and you know what? I mean, most people out there spend a fortune on a camera, fortune on the lenses, and then they go and put a tri onto a tripod, which costs them sixty quid. No. Yeah, to go to Argos. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. I, t- I think we all kind of make that mistake at the start and you end up buying three uses tripods. I have a few of them up it. there, yeah, from when I would have started out that I thought were the bee's knees and actually don't even, I wouldn't even give them away to somebody. What, what's that phrase? Buy cheap, pay twice? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, okay. buy cheap, buy twice. I could be, yeah. I could be bitching that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, but we actually made a podcast about it a number of years back about, you know, uh, the amount of tripods you have. They'll tell you if you're a, an amateur, a semi-pro or a pro, or if you're obsessed. And, you know, I mean, like, the reality is that you will go through different iterations of tripods. Yeah. As but, you uh, go like a, tri- a good tripod could last you 15 years. Absolutely. So, yeah. do you know, yeah. it's a bit like glass on, on the front of the camera. You know, you'll change the body. The glass will stay the same. Yeah. You know? And still, like, I, I usually buy things on the secondhand market. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, like, I think that definitely the 24105 is like the first generation version of that. But it's brilliant. Yeah great lens yeah, no no complaints yeah i had one of those as well i still have it actually but it's it's dead it fell into the water I decided to go for a dive with my canon right. 7td did, did you send john myler in after no no it was john myler was actually <laughs> with me that it was actually the same day that's interesting it was the same day it happened my camera went for a dive in the morning and he went for a dive in the afternoon with his uh, filter system no now that i think about it, it was the same day yeah Christ, yeah. <laughs> that's not a, that's an expensive day. That was a very expensive day. Yeah, it was expensive day. Yeah. I I've been lucky like that actually. I haven't yet. Touch wood. Touch wood. I haven't had any mishaps like that so far. Yeah, good stuff. And hopefully you won't do any after talking to me about it as well. I won't be putting any kiboshes on you. You know, you've been cursing <laughs> me forever. Thankfully. Yeah. All right. And the third question I have then is, um, we have a regular feature. It's called a VSP. It's a very solid product. It's a product you won't leave home without. You'll put put your name to it if you could. So, what's yours? Okay. Can I say two? Go on. Go on. So we'll okay. say two. Um, polarizer. Okay. Yeah. Very good. That we've talked about. And then for editing, actually, I got this thing. It's a graphics tablet. Oh, yeah. Did you ever use one of I these? I have one there. Gathers oh, dust. Yeah. I, I think it's brilliant. I bought one on Amazon. It was about 30 euro. This XP pen, I think it's called. But it's an A4 size tablet. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so handy, I find, for editing. Um, do you know? Because it makes things easier for me uh, like i'm left-handed so i've the tablet on one side and i've the mouse on the right hand and i'm kind of working the two of them at the same time right i find for, for dodging and burning i just those little bits even removing things in photoshop 
it's just so much handier with that than using a mouse. And does that probably come back from the when you were saying in relation to the art and the style of, you know the drawing and such like that because it's a tactile feel it's something that you're used to having yeah. your pen in the hand. Yeah. Yeah, it could be that, yeah. I just find that for certain things, you know, if um if you're kind of brightening something or if you're darkening something, mm-hmm. I just find the mouse clumsy at times for doing that. Mm-hmm. But just it's so much more precise with a little pen and a tablet. Yeah, I know loads of people that use them and when they start using it, you know, they'll never go back to using a mouse. I mean, I've tried it a couple of times and I just go, okay, you have to kind of commit, I know the first part of it is the learning area of it, but I have to kind of go, you know what, no, I just want to get it done and I'll go back to the mouse. But gathers dust. I have it sitting there. Just gathers dust. Give it another go. It's well worth it. I've done that around four times now. All right. <laughs> get time. rid of it. <laughs> and each time I'm like, no, I keep going back to the mouse. Keep going back to the mouse. No, very, very good VSP. And you know what? It's something I think that a lot of people would uh, find a good benefit from as well. If you're, if you're, if somebody is a doodler or a drawer, then yeah. that's a great way to be able to edit your images as well, because you're actually making contact with something that you're actually using. Yeah, I, I just find it a lot. It just feels a lot more natural. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. So listen, we're almost there, man. That was a great, great chat. I think, you know, it's been fascinating for me to kind of learn about your photography journey. And you have given some hints and tips as well along the way, even though you probably think you haven't. You have given quite a lot as well. Um, only two final things really to ask you is, number one, where can people find more information? And number two, what's next for you? Okay, well, number one, I'm on Instagram. It's the only place I'm on. Okay. Um, so that's the only place you'll find me. Um, and is your and is your is your Instagram handle, as they call it, easy to find? Is it just your name, or is um, it? Was it David lowercase? Uh, do you know what's that? Underscore dash underscore David underscore Lockman. That's it. Okay, very good. And um, what's the next thing for you? Have you any trips planned? Um, do I have trips planned? I've no workshops workshops planned. Um, but I know next year we're back down in Inchidani for a few days, so. I'll hit that, and then we're, I've convinced Elaine to go to Connemara for a few days. It, it's funny how our family holidays are always in these lovely scenic places, um, and I'm going to try and take a few days off work and go to Donegal for about three days just to see if I can Very good. get a couple of shots up there, because I meant to do that last November. I think we went into lockdown again. So Yeah, but you know what? It's good that we're out of lockdown, but I do think there's a potential that they're going to bring us back into some bit of a lockdown over Christmas again, apparently. That's what, that's what I'm hearing rumblings of anyway. But That's good at them. Yeah, yeah. No, David, it's been a great uh, conversation, man. I'll put the links uh, to your Instagram and such like that in the show notes so people can find you easily enough. I really enjoyed the conversation. And if you are coming to Inchidani next year, let me know. And if I'm available, I'll meet up with you and I'll show you a couple of areas in the real capital of Cork, by as they say. <laughs> Brilliant. No, thanks a million for having me on. I was, I was shocked when you asked me to be on. But... Well, you have to blame Keith Arkins, you know? yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good, man. Listen, look, from me in Cork to you in the beautiful Offaly, beautiful yeah. Tullamore. Landscape capital Landscape of Ireland. Landscape capital of Ireland. That's it, by the Mecca, the new home, the middle, <laughs> the middle earth. <laughs> it's been great, man. Yeah, so all that's left for me to say is thanks a million and stand before. That's great. Thanks a million, Dave. Hey, guys. If you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week. And remember, keep shooting.